You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I was going to minister on uh, uh, honor, and so we're going through the core values and uh, I'm just going to give you just a little backdrop about core values, and then I'm going to get right into it. But the Lord actually changed my, uh, changed my direction, and I'm going to minister on a different core value tonight than what I did in the morning. And I'm trying to keep it uh, in sync between Perryville and Bonterra, and I've already messed it up week two. So just pray for me. I don't really know how this is going to turn out. But I just have to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost, and this is what I felt impressed to do. And so we're going to talk about faith tonight. But very briefly, let me give you what core values are about. And then also, um, I'm going to list the core values. And then we're going to give you a, a declaration over this one particular tonight. So core values basically are just the, the belief system that we have that determine our culture. And so everybody believes something. And everything we believe uh, determines our culture, whether you're talking about the culture of your heart or you're talking about the culture of your home or if you're even talking about, you know, um, you know, like a business. And I just think about different, uh, different businesses that have core values, such as like Burger King for a while. It was like, have it your way, right? And so it was, you know, all of these selfish people going in to get a hamburger because they wanted it their way. Do I need that microphone? Just, what's this one doing? It's, I'm telling you, we got to take it to the, oh, this is better. It needs deliverance. All right, the red microphone's mine. From now on, this is it. All right, here we go. So thank you for saying something. It's better to do that than have distraction. And so anyways, so like, you know, Burger King's like, have it your way. Well, that sets a tone for people to come in, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to have a hamburger my way. Lowe's is like, let's build something together. So you go in, and it's kind of like, hopefully, they're, Sometimes when you go in, you don't always get the help that you want. It's a couple of ice faces going, no, no, no. They don't match up to the core value. But I think they're shooting for that probably. And, and that's the idea of a core value is that you say, this is the standard. This is what I'm believing. And this is what we're shooting for. And so when we do that as, a, as an individual, you know, we've got things like, I really believe this. You know, I really believe that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That's actually a core value of my heart personally. It comes out a lot when I minister, but that's a core value of me personally. And so I went through a time period in my life when I, I understood it like mentally, like I had this, this knowledge of the fact that I was right with God, but I, it had to come to a heart level to where, I mean, I really believed it, and I, it actually was, was the way that I acted and it, to where it would determine my behavior. And so I spent a long time I would say years, as a matter of fact, specifically when I was driving a lot for work and I was driving from Perryville. And even before that, I started and I would just always seem to be driving into St. Louis and doing my job from where we used to live. Oh, from when we lived in Park Hills, we drive into St. Louis and then we moved to Perryville and I was still driving into St. Louis. But I would drive down the road and I would just simply confess, I am righteous. I am righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am right with God. I would say it every which way I could because there's only so many ways you could say it. I would say it in a different tone. I would say it in a high-pitched voice. I would say it in a low-pitched voice. I would say it loud. I would say it soft, but I would say it. And I would continue to just confess that, not so that it would become something, but so that I would believe what God said about me. And it turned out that that became the culture of my heart. And so that's something that, that God put in me 
and that God gave me, and so I just stand on that. It's just a part of who I am. Well, that's what culture looks like when you're talking about in a church environment to where we have something that we're saying, this is the standard that we operate by, and it's not a law. And it's not necessarily just something like, oh, we believe this. Because a lot of times, you know, you have like your tenets of faith. And those are important things to say, you know, we, we do believe in the Trinity. We do believe that um, the Bible is uh, the inspired word of God and it's final authority in all matters. Like we, and those are good to have those things. But this is more about what people actually experience when they are around you. And so that's why we have core values. So let me list the six core values and then I'm going to go in tonight and talk about faith. So I was going to talk about honor, but I'm going to save that for another time. And so here are the core values, love, faith, excellence, unity, honor, and hospitality. So love, faith, excellence, un unity, honor, and hospitality. And tonight I want to talk to you about faith. And I want to do this before I forget because I, whenever I get ministering on faith, I'm just, I'm just warning you, I get really wound up because I love talking about faith. Can we pull that? Were you guys able to make that slide? If you were, then there'll be something special in your stocking. Yes, there we go. So this is faith. This is our, this is, and it won't be a lump of coal, amen? So this is our declaration over faith. And let me just say this so that this is clear, because I'm throwing out a lot here, and you could be like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to remember. What you're going to see hopefully next week, maybe, maybe before next week, if not before, by the following week for sure, and I'm going to hold you to it. No, I'm just kidding. But I kind of am. But anyways, you're going to see, we're going to have things up here where you're going to see the vision, the mission, and the core values, and then also our strategy, which I haven't really talked about that yet. But it'll be so plain and clear and easy for you to see it. But I want to give you this. This is a declaration about what we believe about faith. So it's this. I will maintain an attitude that God is well able to meet all needs in every area of life. Amen. I will respond to every situation in faith knowing that Jesus has paid the price and it is no problem for God. That's one thing that, that we've, um, we've been able to just talk about and, and we've seen this work amongst us in Perryville and this is something that's in my heart that God wants here too is that whatever comes up, it's just, hey, you know what, it's no problem. Some of y'all know, there's a, especially when you're working with people and people are working with each other, there's problems that come up. There's things that arise. And you know what our, our, our response oftentimes is? It's no problem. You know why? Because God is well able. His word is more than enough. And if we will just simply believe and trust the Lord, we can see whatever it is that's going on, God can change that thing and turn it around if we'll simply just put faith and trust in him. Amen. And I'm going to minister on that, on that tonight uh, about faith. But this is something that has to become just a part of who we are, and it actually becomes our response to things. So when somebody comes in, this is what this looks like. This is cool. When somebody comes in and, you know, you have a, a guest come in, and they're, they're coming in, and, and they're dealing with X, Y, Z, whatever it is, instead of, which you could do this, and I would be fine, instead of coming to the pastor and saying, well, you know what, he can believe God for your situation, the deal is, is that we have such a culture of faith that whenever people walk through the door, whether it's the greeter or it's an usher or it's the parking lot attendant or it's the guy running the sound or it's the worship person or the working in kids ministry or just someone just standing around that's just been so infected by the culture of faith that they say, you know what, that is no problem and I'm going to lay hands on you and pray for you right now. 
That's what it looks like to have a culture of faith to where we all are just like, you know what? We're going to trust God, and it's absolutely no problem. Hallelujah. So we're in Habakkuk, and, and I, I needed to get that out about faith, and hopefully I'll come back and t- talk more about it concerning it being a core value, but I may not because I'm just going to flat out just teach and preach and minister on faith, and part of it is that I just needed it. Sometimes you just have to minister something because you needed it. But I know that this was a word for us tonight, and so I'm just obeying the Holy Spirit. But look here in Habakkuk chapter 2, and I want everybody to see this. So we should have verses 1 through 3, and we're going to read these verses. And I'm going to share some things as we go through this. So verse 1, it says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. So you notice there's already an expectation that God is going to speak. So setting yourself up on the rampart is a posture of your life and your heart, whatever it is, that you know that God's going to speak to you. It's a good place to be. And then it says, now listen, this is really important. It says, and what I, what I will answer, so not only to watch and see what he will say to me, but also what I will answer when I am corrected. It didn't say if I am corrected. It didn't say in case there's just any little nuggets that God wants to give me. I know I basically have it all figured out and I'm going in the right direction in every area, but he might have a little nugget. No, it says when I am corrected. Basically, this is what I, every time that I go before the Lord, and and you could get out of balance with this because if you're one of these kind of people that you think you got to go in and God's just going to bring the hammer down, you got a wrong... (laughs) You got a wrong vision about God, and I'm sure that's nobody in this room. But every time I go into the Lord and with the Lord in the presence of the Lord, I assume that there is something that he needs to tell me that I do not know. And it's quite possible, in fact, it's probable that I'm wrong in something that he needs to straighten me out in. So it's not a matter of if I'm corrected, but it's when I am corrected. And so here's the deal is that as human beings, as groups of people, as individuals, we get really, really stuck. We do. And listen, you need to understand this. I minister the same kind of thing to people in Perryville, and whenever I'm guest speakers in other places, sometimes they don't think they invite me back. But anyways, I minister the same stuff everywhere I go because it is the truth. We get so stuck, and we are in such a, a, we get such tunnel vision that we can't see what it is that God's wanting to do, what he's wanting to say, what he's releasing in that hour, the things that he's wanting us to step into. Because what happens is that when God's able to have breakthrough, and, and I say God's able, I mean, it's not like he has a tough time, but he just has a tough time with us. I mean, I know for me, sometimes and I, and I, go, I get to a place and I'm like, geez, God, I'm really sorry. That was a rough six months or whatever, but really, you stuck with me through the whole thing. Thank you very much. And we feel like when we get breakthrough, it's almost like we come to this plateau and we, we just arrive like, okay, now, now I can relax. I mean, we need to rest and relax in the Lord, but we should always be in a mode of increasing, going forward, and having the Lord continuing to turn us over and reveal things to us, and even break off old wrong mindsets and old wineskins that we're carrying around, expecting new to be poured out when he's looking at us saying, you can't handle what I want to pour out to you. Will you allow me to correct you where you are at? 
Now, I'm not preaching this from a perspective of me correcting you. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Lord, us being at this, because he says to set yourself up on the rampart. If you're going to set yourself or set myself up on the rampart, it is a decision to say, Lord, I am here in whatever you want to say. I will listen. I will hear what you have to say, and I will listen for the correction that you will bring me. That's a real, you know, that's a great place to be. But sometimes we kick and scream. You know, we had a few years ago, we had, and I've mentioned this, and you'll hear more about this, and we'll share some of the, the things that happened during it. But um, we started having these dreams. And I got to a point, and the, whenever I would tell people, they're like, especially when I go to like a minister's conference or something, and people would say, oh, how's your church doing? I'd, I'd be like, man, it's awesome. We're having these prophetic dreams, and God's just like visiting us in a really unique way. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, well, not really. And they're like, what do you mean? That's like book of, book of Acts, Joel prophesied. People would have dreams and visions. And I'm like, yeah, but it didn't turn out quite like I thought. I thought it was going to be all this glorious, uh, splendorous things that would happen and miracles. And, and we had some of those dreams, but most of it were dreams that were given that it was like, Kent, I, I want to touch that area right there, right, right there. You've been hanging on to that. You've been thinking wrong. You've been believing wrong about X, Y, Z. And after a while, I got to the point where I was like, you know, God, I'm kind of tired of this. I just, I just want things to be to be easy, but it's interesting. Oftentimes, we'll pray to be at a place, but we aren't willing to listen for God to make the changes for us to get to the place that He wants us to be. And if any any of you have read my book, I've talked. I talked in there about about the Lord has to be able to. You, you got to steward where you're at currently, and you have to allow the Lord to make the adjustments and the changes in you where you're at now. And if you will allow Him then he'll bring you into the more that he has. And it's not that God is withholding because the love of the Father, the love of the Father is so abounding in love and goodness and graciousness and favor and kindness and all of the good stuff that you could ever imagine. But the wisdom of the master, by the way, it's the same person, the wisdom of the master sometimes will say, I want you to have that more than you want to have that, but you flat out, you can't handle it yet. You can't handle the truth. You know, you, you're not ready to step into that thing. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Now, let me make a very clear distinction here. I'm not talking about promises that God has given us that are rightfully ours for the taking now and we have authority over. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But what I'm talking about is stepping into destiny, stepping into visions and plans and dreams, laying hold of things maybe even financially. You know, there's this thing called stewardship. And stewardship is when God... God gives us a certain amount, we steward it well, and then we're entrusted with more. And so we have to be able to use wisdom and look at those things. And I've found that where frustration happens with a lot of people, and dreams come to die often at a place when the Lord says, I, I want this for you, and in fact, he just, he kind of hangs it out in front of us to the point of salvation, like this is for you, but we're unwilling oftentimes to say, Lord, I'm here, and I just want you to correct anything in me that needs to be corrected. And once I crossed, and I, it was a process for us. It was a process for the church, but I could say for us, it was a process to come to this place to where it's like, whatever you want, God. 
Whatever you want to put your hand on, whatever you want to put your finger on, whatever you want to tell me, go for it. Because I know on the other side of this thing is blessing, increase, favor, all of that. And none of it had to do with God loving as far as, like, you have to do this, you know, to receive my love. But it was really just, you need to do this if you're going to step into the greater measure of what I have for you. Does that, does that make sense? So it's about a heart posture. So then look at what he says here next in Habakkuk. It says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Very important. And literally, you're going to see when we put it up wherever we display the things at, it's almost like large tablets. That you're, you're, It's almost kind of like very biblical it's you're going to be able to see the vision and things even with your own eyes written out very clear. Why? So that the people, you guys who see it, can run with it and we can run with this thing together. It's very important. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, and you know why it says that, that it won't lie? It's because whenever you have something put in your heart, even things that are put there by God, his word is a seed. And whenever there is a seed, there is a process of time, and then there's the harvest. And so whenever you have the vision, you have the word, you have whatever God gave you, we have to remember something that if it came from God, it won't lie. But how many of y'all have ever been in a place where you believe in God for something, and you're like, Lord, I know you spoke this to me. And you have to remind yourself that, God, you are not a liar. It's not manifested yet. It's not come about yet, but you are not a liar. You are true, and your vision you put in my heart is right. It says, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So in, otherwise, in other words, if it's taken a while, just wait, because eventually at some point it's going to come to pass. Crazy important. Crazy important. Because otherwise, what happens is that we put, our, we put ourselves in our, in our thinking, our mentality, and just in life in this mode of like it's going to happen now. And almost everything that God has ever spoken to me that he wants me to do, it almost never happens in the way and in the time that I think it's going to happen. And I'm not one of these that says, oh, well, God's just, you know, you know, causing Grandma Susie Q to be sick to teach her something. That's garbage. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about when you get a vision of something and God shows you, sometimes what happens is that God will speak one word and we'll write a whole book about it. You know what I'm talking about? And so we've got this big grandiose thing that we think is going to happen, but indeed it really wasn't God. The just, just the beginning of it was God, but the rest of it, we just kind of put in there and saying, oh, this is God, because it's how we envisioned it in our mind. And by the time we get to the end, we're like, this doesn't look at all like I thought. God, what's going on here? It's like, I didn't speak all that stuff to you. I spoke that to you. You put all the other stuff in there. And so sometimes we get all these things built up in our thinking, uh, acting like or thinking that they're God, when indeed they're not just the one thing, just the one seed that he put in there. And it's really not our job to put in and fill in all of the blanks because what does the word say, that, that he orders our steps? Is, my, is that right? Is that how the, the word says that he orders? Man makes his plans, but God orders his steps. I think something like that. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so God orders the steps. And so when he puts something in our heart, like, I want you to go this way. I'm, I want you to work towards this. You know, it could just be like one word, like, I've called you to, you know, to, to worship me. 
And then next thing you know, you know, we've started a band and we're traveling around the United States or something. You know, I don't know, whatever, whatever it looks like. And then it doesn't work out. It's like, God, why is this working out? And he's like, I never told you to do all that. I just told you to worship me. Well, God, what does it look like? No, just get down on your knees beside your bed and just worship me. I mean, literally, we will take things and blow it up to be something that God never intended for it to be. Though the vision tarries, whatever it is that God spoke and you know it was God, though it tarries, wait for it. And I'm saying all this to say this. This is how culturally how we want to be. But at this point right now, and this is why God put this on my heart, this is what I'm asking for you. You know, trust is something that's built over time. We are, this is, what are we on, week four now of, of being here? You guys are awesome. I love you dearly, but you don't really trust me yet like you will because it's something that, that has to be built. So this is what I am asking as we lay things out and talk about things and move forward with things. Man, you can ask questions. You can be like, I don't understand that. What is that about? Man, I am cool with all of that. But this is what I ask. Walk with me in it. Just walk with me in it. And even though it tarries, just wait for it. I had people, our vision statement for the church is building strong churches. I've had people that are like, what's all the building strong churches about? We got one church. What's up with that? And I'm like, well, we want to be a blessing to other churches. I believe we'll plant other churches. And then I also spelled out this scenario here that I believe those were things that God had for us. And so sometimes the vision, the word, the seed that God gave and put in your heart, sometimes it just takes time, but you just got to wait it out. And if I miss it, this is, the, this is the thing that I ask of you more than anything. Just have mercy. You know that every one of, and I probably shared this, but I'm going to share it again because it bears repeating. Every one of Paul's greetings and every one of his letters, he wrote grace and peace in every single one of his letters except for three of them which was 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, which we know to be like leadership or pastoral epistles they're often referred to. They were letters to those sons of his in the faith that were actually ministers in the areas that he sent them to. You know what? how he gave the, the greeting in those? It was grace, mercy, and peace. Because if there's one thing that every shepherd, every leader, every pastor needs, it's mercy. You say, what do you need from me? Mercy. <laughs> I've never met anybody do anything perfectly yet. I've made plenty of mistakes, and I can promise you I will make them again. Guaranteed. <laughs> I come with a guarantee. I will disappoint you at some point. But guess what? God never disappoints. We just walk through this thing together. We keep seeking Jesus. We keep loving on each other. We keep moving forward, and we're going to see tremendous things. We're going to see God do tremendous things in our day, in our hour, with these people, with you people, with us people, because God has a vision. And sometimes we just we lay out everything the best we can, the most clear we can. We articulate it the very best because the Bible says, write the vision down and make it plain on tablets. So we literally do that. And you know what? If we miss it a little bit, who cares? As long as we're moving towards God, as long as we're loving on each other, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. You ever, you ever been driving somewhere and you made a wrong turn? Anybody? Let me just see a show of hands. Anybody? 
Probably every person that's driving in here. Yeah? Does that mean you shouldn't have made the trip to where you were going? No. It just means when you make a wrong turn, you go, well, thanks, Siri. Thanks, Apple Maps. I'm switching over to Google Maps now. I like Google Maps better. But anyways, it's just no problem. We just keep our heart postured before the Lord to say, God, I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep trusting you. Amen. Turn over to Romans chapter 4. Can you guys handle a few more minutes? Good. Great. Grand. Hallelujah. Thank you for the cheering and the amen. It's going to be awesome. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Romans 4 and 16. I love this. This is a passage of Scripture that has revolutionized my life, and I come back to probably not as often as I should, but often, and just get built up and, and strengthened and in, and encouraged. Because when you're talking about a vision tarrying, and I think the reality is, is that we should die with vision in our heart. Or when Jesus returns, we should have vision in our heart. We should always be looking forward. And if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that they all died in faith. Well, if you're dying in faith, that means you were believing. You were looking forward. You were trusting the Lord. You, were, you had some kind of vision for more in the future. And God wants us to be that kind of people. That is the kind of people we be. And so Romans chapter 4, and I call this the, you know, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the, often the, the faith chapter. To me, this is the second faith chapter. And it spells out some of the best stuff about faith in here. And it says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Now, let me say this, that in context, this is talking about Abraham receiving righteousness through faith. But the principles of faith that are in here, we can apply to any and every situation in life, including a church saying, you know what? We're going to step up. We're going to move forward. We're going to have a culture of faith. We're going we're gonna to move forward in faith, and we're going to trust God. You can take these same principles and apply it. I want you to notice the first thing it says. It says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to what? To grace, to grace. And when something is built, and if you look in the book of Zechariah, it says that not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And if you go on down and keep reading, it says that Zerubbabel, who was the governor at that time, and he was in charge of rebuilding the temple, it says that he will put the capstone, which means the, fin the finishing block, the finishing thing. He will put the capstone on with shouts of, I did it, I did it. No, it says with, let's go and look that up real quick. You guys are like, what are you talking about? It says with shouts of grace, grace. Can we pull that up? Zechariah chapter 4. And someone give me that verse if you can really quickly. I just thought, you know what, we ought to look that up and see it. It's awesome. Zechariah chapter 4. And it's verse 7. So Zechariah 4. And actually, let's go th 6 through uh, 7. Let's read 6 through 7. Awesome. I like to read it with you guys, but I got to step back a little bit. It says, therefore, it is, that's not it. Oh, that's 16. That's Romans 16. I just saw the six. You guys are awesome back there. You're going to get it. I'm going to wait because I want everybody to see this. This is awesome. And this, this is a foundation. I would consider this a foundation of faith. And that is that when you believe for something, it's not your believing that causes it to happen. Well, let me rephrase that. It's not your believing that causes God to give. God doesn't give because you believe. God gives because he's a giver. God gives because he's gracious. God gives because he's a God of grace. Grace is actually the thing 
that brings about the manifestation. But when our faith meets God's grace, meets God's provision, that's when you see the thing actually come to pass. So Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, it's no problem. It's fine. I'll just read it. I just thought, I just want you guys to see it with your own eyes. It's no problem. Zechariah chapter 4 in verse 6. It says, so he answered and said to me. There we go. We got it. You guys rock. Give him a hand. They did a great job. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Sounds like grace to me. Next verse. All right, take back that hand clap. No, I'm just kidding. Verse 7. There you go. Wonderful. And it says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth a capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. This is where faith and grace come together, and you see the manifestation of the thing that God promised. Because the rebuilding of the temple took vision, it took uh, the word of the Lord, it took endurance, it took all kinds of things to be there, and that's the faith part. But when it's finished, it's not supposed to be, I did it and I barreled my way through it and I, you know, whatever. You should get finished with something. Having endurance, believing God, being in faith, but then be able to say, God did this thing. It was the grace of God that caused this thing to come to pass. And that's why, going back to Romans which I lost my place now, but Romans 4.16, I just got to turn there, Romans 4.16, and it says, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. We believe, but God supplies the grace. God supplies the power and the ability through his grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of of the law, but also to those whom are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And why was Abraham the father of faith and the father of us all? Because as far as what I can tell from the word, he was the first person to have a promise given of something. And now, there might have been some before him, but he's the, main, he's the main player, the first main player, to have a promise given that there was no possibility of it coming to pass. But God told him he was going to have it anyways. Because I don't know if you know all the story. You probably do. But Abraham and Sarah, they were beyond childbearing years. It was impossible. It literally was physiologically impossible for them to be able to have children. But God said, you're going to have children. I mean, just imagine that. Some of the things that we look at that we think are so impossible, if we would just use Abraham as a gauge, uh, there's not anything that we couldn't accomplish. It literally was, there was no possible way for it to happen. And really, I think the Lord, I mean, just as far as faith is concerned and like, believe me for this and it's going to come to pass, he probably could have picked a lot of things. But if you were going to talk to an old couple, (laughs) telling them that they're going to have a child would probably be one of the worst things maybe you could tell them. I don't don't know. I just had someone today, they're telling me, they're like, man, I know why, because they they had adopted a bunch of kids in in their 40s. And they're like, man, we know why, why God has people have kids usually like when they're in their 20s. Because they're a lot, of, well, imagine being like, what, what were Abraham and Sarah, like 70 and 90 or something like that when they got the promise? What was it? 80 and 90, thank you. 80 and 90 years old? 
Now, they might have been like their age, like the ratio of their age. That might have been more like, you know, back then people maybe, maybe they were a little more spry. So maybe they were like, you know, 60 and 70. How about you want to be 60 and 70? And God be like, hey, you're going to have some children. I, th I think not. <laughs> Ron's like, no, no, I'm done. 12 was enough for me. I mean, this is, think about, this is an incredible thing that God said. He gave them something that was impossible, and then it's written in the Word, and it says that he's actually the father of faith. He's the father of us all, meaning what? No matter what God says for you to do or that he's going to do through you, it doesn't matter if it's possible or not in the natural. God is the God of the impossible. He didn't come here to make difficult things easy. He came here to make impossible things possible. And it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is one of the most fundamental things concerning faith is that you look at something and because God said it and you simply believe it, his grace is in what he said. It's not really even in our ability to believe. It's in what he said, and because God said it, that's all we need to know is that God said it, and Lord, if you said it, I'm going to believe it, and I'm, I'm going to call those things that be not as though they were, or I'm going to call those things which do not exist as though they did. And here is an important point here. He wasn't saying that it didn't exist in the in the supernatural, he was saying it didn't exist in the natural. Because see, when God speaks something with his words, it automatically comes into existence. Even if you can't see it, if God says that you are healed, then his word is true that you are healed. Even if your body doesn't feel it at that moment, it hasn't changed what God said. And it's actually when it's saying to call those things which do not exist as though they did. It's saying that to call those things that in the natural, that are not yet in existence in the natural, to call those things as if they do because they actually do in the supernatural, in the spirit. Because when God says something, it automatically comes into existence. And you got to understand something about Abraham. See, our connection between our words and what comes to pass, it's everything. It's everything. This is why we have to guard our mouth. We have to be careful what we say. And so this is how it goes. Whenever we're pushing forward with the vision that God's bringing about here, and just anything, but in particular with that, if someone says, I don't believe that, that's when we come in and go, you know what? This is no problem for God. It's just no problem for God. Or even, you know what? I'm not really down with that. I'm not sure about all that X, Y, Z. That's when we go, you know what? All you have to do is just agree to believe in God and just to trust God and let God bring the thing about. But to watch what you're saying is extremely important. God knew the importance of, of words so much that he changed Abraham's name. Because Abram meant, what did Abram mean? I never remember this. Who can tell me what Abram meant? It meant something. Not Abraham, but Abram. It meant just father. Is that all it was? Okay. So then Abraham, of course, means what? father of many nations. So he was uh, 90 years old when he received the promise, and the Lord said, you are no longer Abram, but you are Abraham. And, you know, back then, names really meant something. 
You know, today it's like, my name's Kent, my name's Kingston, my name's Laura, my name's whoever, Chris. And it's just like, that's our name. But back then, when you had a name, it meant what that name said. So when Abram, being 90 years old, imagine being 90 years old and saying, my name's Abram, my name's Abram, for 90 years. And then all of a sudden, God says, you're not Abram anymore. Your name is Abraham, which means the father of many nations. Being 90 years old, not having one child, walking around telling people, telling people that. You talk about, I mean, people, the things that people say about faith people, people that just want to believe God nowadays, you're a heretic, you're a lunatic, you're a cult, you're a whatever. Imagine what they said about Abraham. Hello, my name is Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. Oh, wow, you got that name when you were first born and you didn't have any children? No, actually, God spoke to me. And he told me that I'm going to have a child. Oh, so you've got a young wife. Oh, no, she's old and wrinkly, just like me. <laughs> and we're going to have a child together. As a matter of fact, we're going to have an entire generation of people. Could you imagine that? I mean, it's just, that's crazy when you think about that. But God knew what needed to happen. He had to get him to change his language. He had to get him to come into agreement. So he said, you are no longer just Abram. You are Abraham, which means the father of many nations. And every time, Abraham, that you go and you introduce yourself and you've come out of your father's house, you've come out of the old way of thinking, you've come out of the old wineskin, you've come out of the old way of doing things, and I'm taking you to a land that you don't know, but I'm going to bring you into. And every time on your way, on that journey that you introduce yourself, you're going to tell people exactly who you are which is the father of many nations. And you know what? As the story goes on, and we're here today because Jesus came through that lineage, and we're here today because of Jesus, because Abraham did indeed have a child through Sarah named Isaac. He was the promise, and through that, an entire generation, an entire uh, the whole nation of Israel came from it. <laughs> Amen. And now the whole church has come from it. And now through him, all of the families of the earth are blessed. Oh, my God. He, the Lord said, I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. If the Lord said that to us, we'd be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to have me a, you know, a little farm on the hillside with a, a cow I can milk every day. I mean, that's just how people, the Lord's like, no, 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 no. Through you, all of the families of the earth are going to be blessed. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed. That's incredible. And you know what? Here we are today. Abraham is in heaven. I think with every church service, every time he gets talked about, he's like, oh, yep, it was rough. People made fun of me, but there you are. You're there, and you're being blessed because I stuck it out in faith and God's grace manifested. <laughs> I love the whole man. I love this. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I needed this. I needed this. Thank you, Jesus. So it's right, if he's our father of faith, it's right for us to look eyeball to eyeball with whatever seems impossible and say, you know what, I see that, but God says something different. I'm going to go with what God says. I'm not going to go how I feel, by how I feel. I'm not going to go by what other people say. I'm not going to go by what other people think. I'm not going to go by anything other than what God says 
is actually true in this situation, that's the thing that I'm going to go with. That's the thing I'm going to go by. It says, who contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak, in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Now, let me just say something here. This is giving what happened right before the manifestation took place, but it's not talking about the approximate 10 years between there. I don't know how long Abraham was in unbelief and how long he was in faith during that time period, but there was a period, it doesn't mention it here specifically, where he was not in faith. He was in unbelief. That's what happened with the whole story of Ishmael and Hagar. And Hagar and Ishmael represent a work of the flesh. It represents not trusting the Lord. Isaac represents trusting the Lord. And you know, we have the ability that we can have a promise from God and then try to produce it in our own strength and produce a work of the flesh. If you birth it, you have to feed it. I have four kids. And my single biggest bill are groceries. As a matter of fact, we're going to take up an offering tonight for Liz and I for our... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Praise God. The Lord's plenty provided for us. Don't anyone be like, oh, you guys... No, we don't need any money for groceries. We're fine. But those guys eat a lot. <laughs> if you birth it, you have to feed it. But if God does it, he'll feed it. He'll take care of it. But it says that he did not waver the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So this is when it actually manifested. And being fully convinced that what he, speaking of God, had promised, he was also able to perform it. This being fully convinced or being fully persuaded. Some, I think the King James says fully persuaded. When you are fully persuaded or you are fully convinced, it actually means that there is zero room for any unbelief. Zero room for any doubt. None, none whatsoever. So whatever God told you, if you are fully persuaded, there literally is no space in your faith bubble or however you want to say it. There is no space for any unbelief to be there. And you are fully persuaded. You are fully convinced regardless of the circumstances because it says that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. And he didn't consider his own body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. It didn't say that all of a sudden his body was spry and her womb was no longer dead. It says that he didn't consider what he was seeing in the natural because he was believing with the eyes of the Spirit. He was believing with the word of the Lord what was true according to what God said. Hallelujah. And this, folks, is just the kind of people that we are. We're of Abraham. Any doubt, any unbelief, any like, what's going to happen here? Because look, this is going to take time to bring about what God says about this church, about you guys, about us together. It, it will take time. It won't come about all at once. Amen? But it doesn't mean that God hasn't spoken. God has spoken. And it doesn't mean that I've heard perfectly or that I lead perfectly. I will be so humble to tell you that I am very humble. 
You say, I just can't believe you'd say that. You know who the most humble man in all the earth was? It says that Moses was. Do you know who wrote that? Moses wrote that. Being humble, because some people could be humble and be like, oh, I'm not going to say that. That would be prideful. No, being humble is actually having a clear understanding of where you currently are. That's, that's real, true humility. And I can tell you now, and these is my witness, when I miss it, I'll say, you know what? And I won't always make a big deal about it, but I'll be like, all right, well, that didn't work, so let's try this over here. I mean, you just got to have a Thomas Edison kind of mentality about ministry. I didn't work. All right, let's try this over there. You know, he, he invented the light bulb. I think someone else actually came up with the idea, but he, it was like a thousand ways or so whatever. And he found like 999 ways to not make a light bulb work. But here we are today sitting underneath of all the lights because Thomas Edison found one way to make the light bulb work. You know what ministry is? This is, Kent, this is total Kentology, all right? You cannot find this in the scriptures. I'm not even saying I'm right. This is my experience. But ministry basically is about I'll go 20%. I think I said 15 last time. I'm going to go 20%. It's like 20% hearing, the God and, hearing God and boom, hitting the nail on the head. The other 80% is trial and error. Fortunately now, I've tried a lot of things and had a lot of error. So I've got a better idea of what I'm, of what I'm doing. Amen. But sometimes you just work through things. I mean, I've, I've, we've sat around and talked and been like, this is God. It was God, but... It didn't come out like quite like we thought it was supposed to. And so you just go back and rearrange and you don't make a big deal about it. People are humans. People miss it. They don't do everything perfect. But there's something about, and I want to say this one last thing. There's something about the journey together that God wants to build with us. This is a word from the Lord right now for you guys and for us. There's something about the journey together as we journey together in building strong people and building us up that he's doing to knit our hearts together. Because it's just kind of like a marriage. And um, any of you that have been married for a while, you know that once you've been, you know, if you're married for like, you know, one or two years or something, you know, it's like what, what the first year is like the honeymoon stage and, the, you know, you think you know everything. You don't know nothing. Wait till you're married five years or 10 years, you know, and you look over and you're like, oh, my gosh, your breath stinks. And I mean, Liz would say that to me. I would never say that to her. But anyways, you know, just, just these realities. And then you have the stuff of life that just hits you. And it's like, but when you're able to work through those things, you're actually stronger on the other side of it. You build trust. You build relationship. That's, that's what Liz and I want to do with you guys. That's what, that's what we're, we're here to walk through that and to journey with that with you. So we'll have mercy on you. You have mercy on us. We'll walk in faith together, and we're going to see God bring about tremendous transformation in our lives, in our children's lives and this generation, and this whole region, and all of that stuff. It's going to be awesome. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.